Hello everyone and welcome to Strong Style Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and we're here today to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling's King of Pro Wrestling pay-per-view taking place on October 12th, 2015. And this show is really the last really big show before Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th. Now, there, there's going to be a show in November, and in December, they're going to have the Global Tag Tournament, but these are, this is really the last really big show. Mostly, what happens here is going to be what sets up what happens at Wrestle Kingdom, and what we're going to do as we're talking about this show, we're also going to delve into a little bit about what we think is going to happen over at the Wrestle Kingdom show. We don't have the card yet filled out, but it's you can pretty much tell, for the most part, what direction they're going in from what happens on this show here. And so, let's get right into it. Our opening match. This is interesting. This is a 10-man tag, and it's Team Young Boy, really. It's Yohai Kamatsu, Sho Tanaka, David Finlay, Jay White, and Juice Robinson as they take on Jushin Thunder Liger, Masuda Dorada, Tiger Mask, Kushida, and Ruski Taguchi. So, I, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, first of all, all five basically, because I kind of consider Juice in this role also. Uh, all five of the young boys, the you know the, the young guys that are at the dojo training, uh, teaming up together against some veterans. I thought this was very interesting. By the way, I was listening to the Kevin Kelly, and I'm sorry, Matt Stryker, English uh, commentary for this show. I've listened to both. I've talked about listening to some of the other English uh, podcasts that were, you know, recording their own commentary and how I had some issues with it. But this was different. This was Kevin Kelly, and though I'm not a big Matt Stryker fan, um, he's somebody I am, I do know. And so I decided to watch the English version rather than the Japanese version, which I tend to watch usually. I like Kelly. I'm not the biggest Stryker fan, as I said, but I really thought that they did, and we'll talk about it, uh, for the most part, did a good job on the show. Now, but I was thinking about this, watching this match with these five young boys all on one team. And I would mark out for them to do a Nexus-type angle here. Just something that popped into my head. of watching these five young boys that have been here getting their butts kicked week after week, month after month. On every show, they're basically there just to put over these old veterans. Some of them guys like Nakanishi and, and Tenzan, as I've said, that are really... Uh, at the tail ends of their career. How great would it be to see this five just all of a sudden when they just turn and uh, and beat on the veterans and do like this, you know, you up-and-coming guys, retired of being your whipping boys, retired of, you know, just being here to make you look good and we, it's our time to shine type of deal. I definitely think it would be a great idea. I don't know if they'll do it, uh, but just watching this match, that's what really came to my mind, what I think would be a great angle. Right off the bat, the black tight boys, as I like to call them, attack Jushin Thunder Liger. All five of them really getting their spots in on the legend. 
uh, <laughs> striker had already mixed up a few of the young boys. You know, you know, take two minutes, striker, to figure out who, who to, you know, but whatever. I'm not going to dwell on it. Uh, these rookies, though, are really looking good in this match. And, you know, I have to say, a month into his time here, and I already see a drastic change in Juice Robinson, um, who was really the star of this match early on. As the match goes on, we get our obligatory uh, scrum, and Dorado winds up pinning Finley with a Michinuka driver. Two and a half stars. This was a fun match. The young boys were all impressive. I have seen improvement in all five of them, the differencing levels. I think it's by far, and I've said this a hundred times, you probably could complete this for me, but the most seasoned one, Really is Sho Tanaka at this point. He's ready to be on the main roster. Um, but Yohei Kamatsu, there's really no reason for him not to be wrestling in the junior division, which really needs people. I don't think Jay White or Finley are ready for that, uh, to move up to that spot, nor Juice really, but they've all shown vast improvement when I first saw them here. Our next match, Yoshihashi versus Tomoaki Hanma. Now this is, Interesting, and it's already I take it as a dividend to the English commentary that they're relaying that the current storyline, which I wasn't aware of, is that Yoshihashi is pissed that Hama was in the G1 instead of him. Oh, well, if I was him, I'd be pissed off that uh, there was a few other guys in there besides Hama instead of Yoshihashi. But that that's the angle is going on right now. Yoshihashi feeling that Hama took his spot in that tournament, and now uh, he's here in this one-on-one match to try to get a little revenge. And uh, Hanma comes into the match. He's got his back, like, really taped up, which, of course, is the bullseye. Yoshihashi's going right after it. Hanma does rally, but he misses one of those top-rope kokeshis. Uh, they continue the battle a while. Hanma then hits a few torpedo kokeshis, Finally hits the one off the top rope and gets the win. Two stars. Neither man was really fighting their best match in here. But I think this was more about the angle that this is supposedly um, a match where the winner is going to get elevated to some point. So what I've been begging for all year is for Hama to get a push. And according to what they were saying on English commentary here, that's what's going to happen. Hama's going to get a push off of this. We will see. Um, I've only been begging <laughs> for better part of a year for this to happen, but uh, so when, I'll wait till I see it before I believe it. Our next match was Goto, Hiroki Goto, teaming up with Katsuyori Shibata, Kuro Ibushi, and Captain New Japan as they faced the team of Tenkoji, Yuji Nagata, and Marubo Nakerishi. Um uh, you know, as soon as I saw this lineup, I saw that Captain New Japan was on one side. I, I was really annoyed if they would have put these relics over a team with Obushi, Goto, and Shibata. Uh, but we'll see how it turns out. As you can imagine, though, it's a smash-mouth type of match. Shibata looks like he'd rather be anywhere than here. I can't blame him. Uh, I just think he and both his partners are really above this type of match. Third match on the card in an eight-man tag, teaming with Captain New Japan against Manabu Nakanishi and Tenko. 
I mean, I'm sorry. This is just a useless waste of great New Japan talent. And I wasn't very happy uh, to see them in this match. They didn't look like they were really into it either. Nagata, the one guy of the old guys that I think could still go. Uh, he and Goto have a nice sequence. Uh, but that was really about it for this match. After a few near falls, Kojima puts Captain New Japan away with the Lariato, who actually had Captain New Japan gathering some real offense for once. But still, you know he was doing the job. That's, you know, his job is to do jobs. And that's what he did. It's one and a half stars. So this was not a very good match. I mean, this, this wasn't. There's nothing about this. The. You know, the two guys in this match, or really the three guys, you know, Koto, Ibushi, Hiroki Goto, and Katsuyori Shibata. Of the three, the only one who really did much was Goto. Uh, the other two looked like they were sleepwalking. As I said, Shibata looked like he didn't even want to be there. Captain of Japan got a lot of ring time at the end. I don't know. This, this to me, is a waste of some very good talent on this show. Our next match, Red Dragon defending the IWGP Junior Tag Team Titles against our good friends Rapungi Vice. Of course, it's Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero and that great theme song. I just love, I can't help it. I love this theme song. So if you haven't heard it, I'm probably going to wind up putting it at some point as our opening. But it's basically a rap song uh, sung by Rocky Romero. It's just it's something catchy about it. And if you haven't heard it, uh, you know YouTube or whatever, it's on there. But Punky Vice's theme song, um, I really enjoy when they come out to that song. Now this match stems from the last show that we had when Punky Vice attacked Red Dragon after they successfully defended these titles against Time Splitters. So, uh, you know, a bit of revenge and, you know, now the Pokey Vice making their mark trying to get the titles. And as far as the match, it was kind of a by-the-books tag team match. Faces run wild early, get cut off, and the heels get the heat for a while. And their faces rally, and then we get that back-and-forth stuff to the finish. That's basically exactly what happened here. I got to do say, though, a little commentary. I tell you, I was not greatly impressed with Pokey Vice when they first came in. But they are really gelling now. And I really noticed that in this match. They just really look much more polished. And on, you know, they look on the level of teams like Time Splitters or Red Dragon or even the Young Bucks. And before they did it, they looked sorely outmatched. And they doesn't look that way anymore. They really seem to be working much better as a team. Uh... There's a lot of submission wrestling in this, which you get from Red Dragon a lot. If you know Red Dragon, they do work a lot of submission in their in their uh, matches. And so that's how this was. O'Reilly winds up hitting a nice spot where he hits a double Nigel on Rapunky Vice, which is a pretty nice spot. Uh, later, Red Dragon hits the double dragon, which, if you don't know what the double dragon is, it's kind of like a wheelbarrow suplex. The fish hits, which O'Reilly is adding torque by uh, up kicking from underneath the wheelbarrow. I'm sure if you ever see the Red Dragon match, they do it just about every match. So let's think of Mephisto's a wheelbarrow with assistance from O'Reilly. And uh, they did this on Trent Beretta 
I mean, on, I'm sorry, they did not do this in Trap Hunter. They did it on Rocky Romero. And they make the cover, but Redder runs in to break up the pin before the three count was made. Or, so I thought. The referee says it was three. Now, it was very obvious that you see the collision of Beretta and um, Fish. So why was this a three count? So I had to look at the replay. And if you look at it, it was a three count. Because even though you had Beretta hit Fish, Rocky never puts up his shoulder. His shoulders stay flat on the mat. And this is something that annoys the hell out of me. I find it lazy that, you know, if it's going to be a breakup, lift your shoulder up. Yes, okay. They they broke up the pin by hitting your partner, but it allowed you to be able to lift your shoulder up. Don't keep your shoulders down. And that's what he did. And the referee counted three. Obviously, this was not the planned finish. Nobody knew what was going on. And, you know, I thought this was a great match. And it would have been, you know, I gave it three stars. But it would have gotten more, not for the disaster at the end. And that's why I'm always preaching that when you're being pinned, if it's not the finish, pick your shoulder up before three. I don't, oh, well, it's supposed to be broken up. That's not the point. When it's broken up, pick your shoulder up off the mat. It's just laziness in my eyes. And it really ruined the match here. Okay, our next match, which is what I was really looking forward to. It's just Kenny Omega defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title against Matt Seidel. Uh, you know, in the Matt Seidel takes control early. And at one point, there's a Moodle lock, which got a nice pop from the crowd. Omega does get to the ropes, but the damage is done. And uh, he's, he's really hurting on the leg. And uh, Seidel is all over that leg. Omega does wind up cutting him off. It goes on offense for a little while. One thing I like about Omega is that he is great at wrestling like a heel. I mean, many guys in the business will wrestle the exact same way, whether they're babyface or not. It's the same moveset. Nothing really changes, except that whether they're being cheered or booed. But they wrestle the exact match. But Kenny doesn't do that. You know, he's using psychology in his ring moveset. I'm a heel. I have to cheat. I have to do underhanded tactics I mean you know psychology and wrestling what a novelty I mean it's it's little things like that which is going to get somebody over with me Kenny Omega who I did not was not a big fan of from his indie work is way over with me right now and a lot of it is because of this heel turn and the way he's wrestled this heel turn as I've said using great a psychology and his just in his moveset, his facials, everything about him. He wrestles like a heel. And that's what you're supposed to do if you want to get a reaction, a proper heel reaction from the crowd. Somebody should teach the guys in WWE that. You know, if if you're a heel, you know, you can't be cool. You know, if you're a heel, you gotta wrestle like a heel. If you want to get the reaction that a heel gets it's supposed to get, but it's supposed to be booed, then you have to wrestle the, that way. And a lot of guys just don't do it. Um, back to the match. It really starts to pick up as Saito hits a plancha on uh, both Omega and Cody Hall, who was ringside. 
And then we get in a great spot. Side out counters a deadlift suplex into a Hurricanrata cradle for near fall. And then we get a spectacular ending sequence. Side out hits a jumping knee strike. Reverse Frankensteiner. He goes for the shooting star, but Omega gets his knees up. Omega then hits a snapdragon suplex. Kenny hits a running knee strike to the jaw. Goes to the one wing angel, but Matt Seidel fights it uh, to free uh, his arm from it. So Omega quickly switches it to the other hand. Bam! Hits the one wing angel. One, two, three. Omega retains three and a half stars. This was a great match of an excellent finish. Uh, best match of the show up to this point. Uh, Omega and Seidel have great chemistry in the ring. And I really hope that we're going to see a rematch um, with them. Although, my gut instinct is going to tell me right now is that Wrestle Kingdom is probably going to be Kushida in a rematch uh, than Side Out. But I would love to see Side Out. Or maybe they could do a three-way with Side Out, Kushida, and Omega. I would sign on for that too. Okay, our next match. Doc Anderson. I'm sorry, Doc Gallows. What's that was wrong with me? Carl Anderson, uh, Bad Luck Fale, will face Shinsuke Nakamura, Toroyano, and the MMA legend Kazushi Sakuraba, all part of Team Chaos. And in the six-man action here, I was kind of disappointed to see Nakamura in this six-man tag, but that's New Japan for you. Um, you know, just because you're a big name doesn't put you above getting thrown on a mid-card tag match. Uh, but, you know, Nakamura main evented the last big show. So, I guess, you know, on this show, he takes a back seat into this tag. But the club is dominating the match fairly early. They did mention that Anderson will be the next challenger for Nakamura's title. I don't know if they met in November, if they met in Wrestle Kingdom. I'm guessing in the November show. Yano winds up catching Fale with a low blow and schoolboys him for the win. It's two stars. It wasn't that much of a match, to be honest. This looks like it was something to kind of play up Nakamura versus Carl Anderson. Then we get a little face-to-face -face confrontation with both of them at the end of the match. So, uh, actually, I just looked it up right now as I was talking. as just causing me to pause for a second. But it is in November at the Power Struggle show where they're going to face each other. And if you remember, this is all coming from Anderson pinning Nakamura during the G1 Climax. As I told you, a lot of stuff that happens in the G1, they do follow up with that in future shows. So Anderson pinned Nakamura on the first night of the G1. Now because of that, he's going to get this title match here at Power Struggle in November. Our next match is for the IWGP Never Open Weight Championship which will be Togi Makabe versus Tomohiro Ishii, the former champion. Now, twice Makabe has defeated Ishii for that title. Um, Ishii has never defeated Makabe for the title. So, this is, you know, kind of like the last shot for Ishii versus Makabe. If he doesn't beat him here... You really can't see him getting another shot. 
I've seen a number of their previous matches, and they do tend to mirror each other. Hopefully, we'll see something a little new here. Well, at the beginning, the match is pretty much what you would expect. Two brutes just pounding on each other. EC wrestling a bit more heelish than usual. I may have said this before, but when someone told you that they don't really hit each other for real, I'm talking about professional wrestling, show them this match. These guys have welts all over their chest. They are beating the crap out of one another. You know, the whole, they don't really hit each other. <laughs> yeah, watch this match and tell me they're not hitting each other. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, they wind up battling while sitting on the top rope for a while. Finally, Ishii sends Togi to the mat with a headbutt, then hits a King Kong knee drop of his own. Didn't go for the pin there. Wasn't really sure why. Then, just a few moments later, it seemed like they had someone, one of them, forgot a spot. And there was some awkwardness for a few fleeting seconds there where they just looked like they had no clue what they were supposed to do. Uh, they seemed to, you know, get themselves back on track here. And Ishii hits maybe the stiffest lariat I could ever remember. Um, then he hits the ropes to a sliding lariat. But Makabe is up and connects with a left-handed lariat. Bridging German by Makabe for two. Makabe then hits the spider suplex but misses the King Kong knee drop. Ishii hits a lunging head strike from his knees. Ishii hits a dragon suplex. Then connects on the sliding lariat. One, two, no. Makabe kicks out but Ishii goes right into a brain buster. Bam. One, two, three. Ishii has regained the title and finally defeated Makabe in a title match. Uh, three stars. It was very good, but not their best. Uh, I've seen better matches with the two of them. Not that this was a bad match. It was not. I gave it three stars. I've just seen I've just seen them go out a little better. I think the Wrestle Kingdom show uh, match they had was better than this one. Uh, after... Hama enters the ring and challenges Ishii for the belt, which the crowd does loves. And if you remember their matches from the G1, and especially the match that they had in February, which I definitely think has a strong chance of winning match of the year this year, then you know this is going to be a treat when they go at it. Next, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's defending his title shot at Wrestle Kingdom against Tetsuya Naito. I kind of talked about this a little bit on our last show about how I felt they really could have taken this angle about how Naito was screwed out of the main event from Wrestle Kingdom 8 and this was a way for him to get you know, revenge on Tanahashi but they didn't go there with it. Instead what they played up was that you know his new hero persona and how he defeated Tanahashi at the G1. So it was about we Tanahashi's revenge really more than anything. And I really thought they really missed the boat on telling the story from the other angle. Which would be, you know, like as I said, that Naito got screwed out of wrestling in the main event despite winning the G1. And by Tanahashi's popularity. And this was his way to, you know, exact revenge on him for that. But that's not the way they played it. Now, Naito comes out to the ring. He's accompanied by someone else 
wearing the same black suit and silver mask he wears. As usual, Naito comes in and takes his sweet time getting ready. Finally, we get this match going on. Tanahashi starts off pretty quickly, but he's cut off. As soon as the battle goes outside, which as usual, for some reason, they made Naito king of outside the ring wrestling. Now Naito basically has the heat on Tanahashi for a pretty good uh, while there. I did notice Naito was also starting to get some cheers. I guess that was bound to happen sooner or later. Uh, but, you know, compared to, like, the entire crowd just booing him uh, when he first did this heel turn. Tanahashi does rally, and he gets him on the outside and hits a high-fly flow on the outside. Later, Naito catches Tanahashi with his own move, the sling blade. Then does a hammerlock back suplex, so almost a three count. Um, at that point, Stryker tried to say that this was uh, his new finisher, which is the Destino. But it wasn't Destino. It was just like a hammerlock suplex. So, again, you know, my, my pet peeve continues of people you know, calling New Japan matches without knowing what the moves are. Then Naito winds up throwing Tanahashi into Red Shoes. Red Shoes looks pretty hurt there. He's down. He rolls out the ring. And in comes the second masked man into the ring. He removes his mask to reveal it's Watanabe. Watanabe is back. Now, I knew he was returning soon, but I did not make that connection. The last time I saw him, he looked the Ring of Honor. And I got to tell you, he looks like he lost about 25 pounds from just a couple months ago in Ring of Honor. He looks in great shape. Uh, they both attacked Tanahashi. But out runs Shibata and Goto for the save. Uh, after clearing the ring of Watanabe, they go to revive the referee Red Shoes. Uh, before Red Shoes can fully regain his senses, Naito kicks Tana low. Then does a double running leg cradle as he re-enters the ring. And Red Shoes calls over and counts. One, two, no! Tanahashi kicks out. Now this match is really getting good. Naito... Looks twice for that Destino finisher, but it's countered the second time into a sling blade. Two high fly flows, and Tanahashi gets the victory. Three stars. This is a very good match. An even better angle with Naito, as I've talked about in the past, saying that Naito needs another heel in the company. He can't just be him because they keep having him team up and tag matches with baby faces because he's not a member of Chaos or Bullet Club. And it didn't make any sense. He needed, like, you know, somebody else that he could team up with. And so he has that here, now with Watanabe. I guess they're both members of Los, I'm going to say this wrong, don't yell at me, Ingonanables. I hope I said that right. Uh, which, of course, means the Ungovernables. And uh, it looks like they now have a, a new member in Watanabe. So I'm very, very interested Let's see how this goes. Um, after the match, uh, Goto jumps to the ring and goes after Watanabe again, but gets caught with an STO, which he lands right in the back of his head. So this is very interesting, and you got to see at this point, I'm pretty sure we're going to see at Wrestle Kingdom, the team of Naito and Watanabe against his nemesis Shibata and now Goto. Uh, of course, Shibata and Goto, former tag team champions. So it just seems like a natural match for the Wrestle Kingdom show. So uh, that that looks really, really interesting uh, match. And I'm really looking forward to that, the Wrestle Kingdom. I really want to see 
Naito uh, wrestle. You see the Ring of Honor, like they really was getting over his German suplex, which he did hit on Tanahashi in this match, but I'd like to see he hit the XTO, which is good. Let's see what other movesets he has. I've been dying for new blood in New Japan, and now we've got some, so I'm really happy to see that. And then it's time for our main event, and it's Kazusuke Okada versus AJ Styles. This is for Okada's IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Um, the winner of this match, uh, as far as I... Now, I know there is a match coming, Okada versus... Okada has a match of power struggle. Genichiro Tenru in his, uh, I guess, retirement match. Uh, at Power Struggle, uh, but I don't believe that's a title match. It's just a, a match where he wants to challenge the champion. Uh, but so that's still going on. But basically, whoever wins this match will not have to defend the title again until Wrestle Kingdom against Tanahashi. So this is a big match, and of course, AJ Styles pinned Okada in a tag match um, during the G1. So you know that's how uh, he's. Pushed himself up. Plus, he never got the rematch after dropping the title to Okada. So, that's why this match is taking place. Um, early on, this is a very even wrestling contest. Of course, Bullet Club, who's ringside, gets involved. It really puts AJ in the driver's seat for a bit. Okada does get going. He sits Styles in the top turnbuckle and drop kicks him to the floor. Always like that spot. Um, there's lots of counters and reversals. Both guys hitting really nice spots. Okada winds up nailing AJ with a missile hesitation dropkick. Uh, that was a really sweet move. We get a tremendous striking battle, which is not your usual elbows or forearms. They really switched it up there with like uh, kicks and, and different types of moves. And um, I thought I thought it really looked good. Very nicely done. Okada winds up ending that battle with his patented dropkick. Then hits a German suplex into the Rainmaker combo. And there's the count. One, two, no. Carl Anderson pulls the Kata out the ring. Okay. Carl does a Rainmaker pose on the outside as the crowd boos. Okada's pissed off. He winds up taking out all three members of the Bullet Club that are outside the ring, which was Anderson Gallows and Tamatanga, including a, uh, a plancha out on all three of them to put them down. Um, then he comes back into the ring and is scaling the turnbuckles. He's coming back in. Styles is up, grabs him, hits the bloody Sunday from the top rope. But Akata kicks out at two. Fans are so into it. They're going crazy right now. AJ trying to hit the Styles class, but Akata keeps fighting like hell to get out of it. And he escapes it a couple of times. AJ goes right into the calf killer, though. Akata Fights to get out, but every time AJ, AJ, I'm sorry, is able to re-counter and get back into the hold. Just some stupendous mat wrestling here. Um, AJ uh, gets, there's a break. Okada gets a break, and AJ tries to, to get him back into reapplying the hold. Okada rolls through, though, into a pile driver. Both men completely spent, laid out on the mat. We get another spirited sequence of strikes. Okada's able to pull AJ off the top turnbuckle into a short-arm clothesline. Hits another short-arm clothesline. 
then finishes him with the Rainmaker. One, two, three. And Kazuska Okada is headed to Wrestle Kingdom 10. Four stars. This was a great, great, great match. Um, afterwards, Tanahashi comes into the ring. Best as I can tell, since I don't know Japanese, is that basically he's telling him he may be the champ, but Tanahashi is still the ace of New Japan, which I would agree with the statement. And once again, they will do battle to see who's the top man. Now, for those who don't know, uh, they've wrestled, I believe, it's three. It might only be two, but I think it's three times at Wrestle Kingdom. Tanahashi's won every time, including last year, where afterwards Okada actually cried on the way back to the locker room. He was in tears at being so upset at once again coming up short against Tanahashi. So as I said, um, actually a few shows ago, was that I always felt that if Tanahashi won this. There was no way they weren't going to let Akata beat him. They weren't going to let Akata lose against him. I think Akata will win at Wrestle Kingdom and finally get that that victory over Tanahashi, which would make Okada champion and give him that unofficial title of Ace of New Japan. You know, which is basically what they just figure as. How can I explain this? It's like um, I hate using WWE things, but I guess it's the Easiest way to do this. John Cena is the, I don't know if it's in the continental US. I know it's one of them. He's one of, the, one of the other belts champions. But he's still the top draw in the company. I mean, Cena is the top guy in the company. doesn't matter who has the world title. Cena's the top guy in the company. That's the same thing that like you're trying to say when you call Tanahashi the ace of New Japan. He is the top man in the company. No matter who's world champion. And I guess what they're trying to say is that this is Okada's chance to beat him at the biggest show of the year and take your spot as the top man in the company. And that's really seems to be what they're pushing at this point. And I think he'll do it. I think he'll finally grab the torch. And I think that, you know, from here on in. And but believe me, if you watch the Wrestle Kingdom shows, Tanahashi's not done. <laughs> not by a long shot. But... I think they want to go and start pushing the younger guy and build the promotion around the younger guy, uh, the less beat up guy, and Okada. Tanahashi, I believe, is about 40 years old, 41, and Okada's in his 20s, and it just makes sense. They want to transition to the younger guy as the face of the company, and I just think that's what's going to happen starting in 2016 at Wrestle Kingdom. And that's our show. This was a very good show. Um, there were one or two matches that weren't great. But top to bottom, I thought it was one of the better shows of the year. Some very good matches. No match of the year, I would say, contenders in this. I didn't think the main event was the match of the year contender. I thought it was good. Very good. Not match of the year. But um, great angles were, shown, were uh, brought out in this show. It wasn't just, you know, the same old, same old, you know. You know, great wrestling, but, you know, nothing really is... Those storylines are being progressed. Uh, storylines have definitely progressed on this show. And so, along with great wrestling, let's make it a really top show. And uh, I think it's shaping up for a good Wrestle Kingdom show. Uh, you know, right off the top of my head, what I could imagine happening so far, is we'll have, obviously, the main event, Tanahashi 
uh, challenging Okada for the title. We'll have Goto and Shibata versus uh, Naito and Watana, uh, Watanabe as the uh, Los Ingonables. Who else I think we're going to see? We're probably going to see Hanma versus Ishii in a, a rematch. It'll be a great match. So we'll, we'll probably see that at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we'll see Gallows and Anderson defend against whoever wins the tag team tournament at this point. I really have no clue who that'll be. I did for a while think that it might be Goto and Shibata, but that happened last year. So maybe, you know, they probably want to go with somebody new. So we might see some new team in that tournament that we haven't seen before. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on what teams we see in that tournament. Let's just hope it's not Tenkoji who wins. I, I just do not want to see them facing Anderson and Gallows again. Uh, Kenny Omega will defend his title, obviously, at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, my guess is that he's going to face Kushida, but we might see Seidel somehow thrown in there. My guess is that we'll see Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. That's my guess. They are the best two junior tag teams in the world, really. And that's the match I think we'll see. I don't want to see another four-way tag match like last year. I thought it was an okay match, but I don't want to see it again. And then, of course, we got all the, you know, we got the older guys like Nakanishi and Nagata and Tenkoji. I'm sure they'll find something for them to do. Hopefully, we're going to see some guys. I'd love to see, I'll tell you what I'd love to see. I'd love to see them bring Michael Elgin back. And maybe do a an Elgin versus Makabe match. You know, that would be great. Or you might see uh, Makabe team up with Elgin at the tag tournament. And them get the shots at Gallows and Anderson. That would be pretty cool too. I'm thinking somewhere like maybe Tamatanga and Fale teaming up. And maybe facing... Uh, a chaos team of Yoshihashi and Yano, something like that. Again, I'm the, at this point, I'm just thinking of ideas, but um, there's a lot of good stuff to go. And uh, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what happens. So let's stay tuned. We'll be back in November for Power Struggle, which I think at that point we'll really get a definitive look at some of the other undercard matches for Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, to that time, that's our show for today. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye.